0: are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Good morning, everybody! Hello! Well, it's good to see you. Um... I just went to the bathroom in a very warm porta potty. It is the highest class porta potty I have ever been in, but I would just like to acknowledge, as we're coming to the end of our porta potty days, that we have so much to rejoice and be glad in on this side of our building. And we owe it to each other to make sure we don't become entitled. Okay? So if we get in that building and we start to have some entitlement popping up, we need to remind one another about the literal fire that that porta potty is. <laughs> to our humility and what many nations of the world would give to go to the bathroom in that porta potty. So it's a good reality check for us, right? Okay, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. If you want to open your Bibles. um, I've been meditating on this story for the last several weeks. And so really, in all honesty... Before I speak, I never, I never first think about you. (laughs) As much as I love you, I feel so honored to serve you. But let's be honest, I don't read the Bible for you. (laughs) I, I need Jesus so wholeheartedly for me. And if you benefit from what's nourishing me, I'm so excited, but my motive is singular. You have to know. So the only thing I know to do is share with you uh, from the well that's nourishing me. And this story has been nourishing me the last couple weeks, the last several weeks. So we're gonna start in verse 38, Luke 10, verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled? pulled away by all these many distractions. Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted and I won't take this privilege from her. So it's just fun to put ourselves in the story for a second and just imagine how you would feel if Jesus was coming over. If like the famous one who crowds are literally uh, gathering like entire cities were gathering just to be near him. And Jesus himself was coming over to Martha's house. And you just gotta think about how we act when our friends are coming over, you know, like let's just be honest about the bathroom. Because there's one specific bathroom in my house when friends are coming over that I'm like, girls, people will have to come get a key like a gas station to use that bathroom. And that's like wildly embarrassing that we have a gas station bathroom in our house. Uh, so you gotta like look at the Context of Jesus Christ, the awaited Messiah that the entire Old Testament gave their lives in anticipation of this Son of the Living God that would take away the sins of the world and reconcile us forever to the Father. And that guy's coming over. He's going to use your bathroom, he's going to eat your snacks. Him, like putting ourselves in the honest story, where would our emotional gauge be with Jesus coming over? And you know, what's beautiful is the Bible says that Mary sat down attentively before the master, before Jesus, and she was absorbing everything Jesus was saying. And you know, as I've just been meditating on this passage, it is by human nature that we absorb things. It's like we were created to be a sponge. So the question is not if you're going to absorb things, it's what are you choosing to absorb? And in this, this uh, story, Mary really had two choices. She could absorb her sister's anxiety or she could absorb the presence of Jesus. And the Bible said she made a choice to put her attention on this one thing, that Jesus was in the house. Jesus was in the room. And um, you know, (laughs) Martha became exasperated and When you look at this word, exasperated, how many of us don't need a a definition to know what exasperated is? Maybe we were there this morning trying to get the kids here. Maybe we were there last night. We're all familiar with what exasperated feels like. And when I looked the the word up in the concordance, it meant to be pulled about in your mind and you know, the ESV says she was distracted. And all of that was taking place first in her mind, where she was at in her mind. She, she was completely stressed out about everything she had to do. And I think this is where first her thinking went wrong was she was exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores. And she just wasn't living in reality that those never get done. There's no such thing as finishing the household chores. Because as soon as you clean the kitchen, people are hungry and they come get more food. As soon as you finish mowing the lawn, really soon you have to mow it again. So it, it's not a reasonable goal in life, just so we're all on the same page, that I will feel peace once this is done. That once this is done is a dangling carrot. And when we look back over the course of our life, of all the things we've been waiting to accomplish to feel peace, uh, we never arrive. If peace is a destination on the outside of us, we will be chasing it for the rest of our life. Peace is a person. Peace can only be absorbed by the presence of the Prince of Peace. And Jesus said, I'm coming to give to you not as the world gives. This is a type of peace that is not available out there. It has one source. And it's in my nearness, it's in my presence. And so, you know, Mary, Martha, it was completely stressed out internally and thought that um, other people were responsible for her exasperated state. So, you know, the ESV says she said to Jesus, do you not care? Do you not care that I'm in here doing all this work and you guys are just sitting here? (laughs) And that do you not care is a human question. And we see it throughout the Bible. And uh, one of the instances was when... Jesus is sleeping in the bottom of the boat, remember? And the disciples are freaking out because of the storm. And they wake him up, accusing him, do you not care? Do you not care? And, you know, the, the issue is not the Messiah. When we have arrived at, he doesn't care. <laughs> because the gospel... Is for God so loved the world, He was bursting with so much care that He paid the highest price of His very life to love us into wholeness, to love us into fullness, and when we put, when we attach external demands to validate the nature of Jesus and what motivates him, we have crossed over into entitlement. Because this is what Romans eight says. If he gave you his own son, the rest is a finished story. And it, it is in this posture of seeking first the kingdom that all these things are added to us but it it is a huge deal that we don't reverse those. That I'll know you love me if. I'll know you care about me if. It it would be grossly below the true price Jesus paid for you to put any other price tag to affirm his love for you than his own body, than his own life. And we set ourselves up to live in judgment, in blame, with a critical spirit. When we allow ourselves to live with a lens that lives from the outside world, trying to get peace and love into the inside world. There's a reason the kingdom is within us. The kingdom is within us. We live, we are people who live not um, looking for the goodness of God in our external life. Let me discover if God is good by examining my life. We never discover the nature of God by examining our external world. Our starting place is inside the heart of God. You have been born again and given access to live from the fullness of the goodness of God. We study God himself to discover his nature. We, we actually have been given access to the person of Jesus to learn about who he is. And it's impossible to know what he is like without being with him. Because we even get the Bible wrong you can, read, you can read this passage with a sharp tone. Martha, are you kidding me? Because you're projecting what you sound like to yourself and putting it on the person of Jesus. And, you know, the, in this passage, what, what we're looking at is When we think others are being selfish because they're not helping, we really have to redefine what self-responsibility looks like inside of us. That how much of the life that Jesus paid for you are you actually possessing? How many of your emotional states are you actually the owner of? Because right here in this story, Mary was exasperated, and Jesus and Martha, I mean, Martha was exasperated, and Jesus and Mary were the owners of her exasperation. Totally their fault. She was not owning her own emotional state. And exasperation was 100% her choice. Because Mary also made a choice. And she made a choice. I actually wanna be with Jesus right now. I'm gonna sit at the feet of Jesus and absorb his presence and absorb his nearness. And so one of the primary expressions of codependence where you've given up ownership of your life to someone else or something else is you're stuck in cycles of judgment and blame whether you're blaming God, you're blaming your spouse, you're blaming your parents, that you have given away ownership of your own life, ownership of, I'm, I am the owner of every emotion that comes through this body. I am the owner of every desire that wells up in my heart. And how, how, how many of us know what, know what it feels like to be waiting on somebody else to fulfill our desires? Well, I'll really step into my destiny once some super important person notices how anointed I am and calls me up into my destiny. The problem with that is that you just gave away your power you just gave away the life Jesus paid an extraordinary part p- price for you to possess and you put it into the hands of somebody else. You were bought with a price. And so, you know, when we don't realize that our own thoughts are causing our emotional experience, So, if I could have a coffee with Martha and learn from her, because I used to feel just so embarrassed for Martha when I read this story. I'm like, you're tattling on your sister. I feel so embarrassed. What You're tattling. Like... I feel I feel shame for you, and that's not helpful. And now she, as I as I've been meditating on this story and have done some of my own growth work, uh, my own discipleship process with Jesus, she's like my hero because she told Jesus the truth. And we burn so much energy just trying to manage our exasperation and our and our. Uh, judgment and our accusations because we're just trying to look good on the outside which is way worse if martha would have this is what a religious spirit would have done well i'm just gonna be in here doing my work banging dishes making it silently clear i'm the only loving person on planet earth clearly nobody else loves jesus have you made jesus a sandwich no You haven't. Jesus is going to starve. His mission isn't going to be accomplished. Because I'm the only one doing anything on the earth. That's a lot to manage. (laughs) You know? (laughs) And then you put the sandwich before him. I hated every minute of making this. And you just walk away. Here's my offering, King Jesus. (laughs) You know? And when all that's happening silently... We feel better about, I laid down my life for the Lord today. But man looks at the outward appearance. God is looking at what is motivating you. If you're doing it because you should, and let's be honest about the cultural relevance of this story. Where should have Mary been? Where should have Martha been? Women did not sit at the feet of really important rabbis. (laughs) Where should they have been? They should have been somewhere where he wasn't. And the very fact that Jesus was confronting her cultural shoulds was massive, I did not come to call a people to follow me if their culture approves of it. I did not call a people to follow me if everyone in their life has happy feelings about what I'm calling them to do. And the way of the gospel is so narrow because to truly follow him with a pure heart We have to have zero agenda attached to what we're doing. (sighs) What? (laughs) We can't do things so we can feel good about ourselves. We can't do things uh, to ease guilt. In the kingdom, if you're doing it because you should, there's zero eternal reward. It doesn't mean you're not supposed to be doing what you're doing. It means you need to repent and change your motive. Because when we look at 1 Corinthians 13, you could literally give away everything you own to the poor and it could mean nothing if your motive isn't love. And you know, you can't see a motive outside of yourself. Motives are the invisible sanctuary where God lives. And you know you're living a consecrated life when you care more about what God is seeing in the invisible crevices of your heart than the way you're appearing to the people around you that you care most about their opinion. And, you know, on the outside, perfectionism and excellence, they look a lot alike. And this is, the difference is your attitude. The difference is your heart posture, the invisible driver behind why am I doing what I'm doing? And you know, perfectionism has all these things attached to it, where anxiety, Pressure, stress, pain, uh, exasperation, because your identity is attached to your performance. So in, this is the, the spirit of the world, <laughs> that my value and worth is completely dependent on how this goes. <laughs> my value and worth is completely dependent on what you think about me. My value and worth is completely attached to my performance. And it becomes the driver behind the anxiety in doing the things we're doing. So the gospel is not first about what you're doing. The gospel first is about who gave you the assignment and why are you doing it? And excellence in the kingdom is all about worship. It's all about, this has nothing to do with my worth. This is an expression of my worth. None of my worth is on the line in excellence. I've come today to put my whole heart into preaching the gospel. I don't know if there's a perfect way to preach the gospel because you violate the gospel the moment you try to make it perfect. But I've come to do my very, very best because it's who I've been designed to be and I'm gonna do it with my whole heart. The amount of times I've blown it in the last two decades of preaching the gospel hasn't been because of the words I've gotten wrong or the misinterpretation theologically it's been because of the motive in my heart. Did I need something to be validated in me from the people I was serving? And excellence has everything to do about our attention. And in this story, Martha was distracted from having her attention on Jesus. And you, you're going about doing the things Jesus has put in your hand to do while staying centered on who is in the room. Because who, whose house did Jesus choose to live in? No longer is he a visitor that we wait. Maybe Jesus will come over for dinner tonight. Maybe he won't. No, he actually took up residence inside our body, And we get to make a decision moment by moment to host him. We get to make a decision that while I'm going about doing my father's business, I'm living like Jesus. And the greatest person that's in my awareness is Jesus is here. I'm not gonna talk about him like he isn't paying attention to me. I'm not gonna fight to be acknowledged by him when he's already settled my worth. And so only, you know, it's, religion cannot disciple a heart. Religion can only disciple external decisions because it's form without any power. Just tell me the right thing to do so I can feel good. And then we look all throughout the Bible and there isn't one right way <laughs> that Jesus disciples people. He absolutely contradicts himself depending on what each individual heart needs. So it's impossible for you to know what, what is he pruning in you, what is he refining in you without having an intimate relationship with him. And when we're living with a heart of excellence, well, that's just religious. It can be the opposite, the opposite judgment when you're deeply passionate about bringing Jesus your best. So it is, it is um, a tormenting way to live when we're looking to the outside world to validate, am I living my life worthy of the lamb? Am I living my life worthy of this king? And, you know, when we look at the parable Jesus told about, he uh, he said, the kingdom is like a master who came and had some servants. And you remember this story? He gave 10 talents to one. He gave five talents to another. And he gave one to another. And they went about stewarding. What the master had given them, and in the world, we look at how much do you have? Well, I guess the guy that had ten was better than the guy that had one, <laughs> but it 's just not the way that the kingdom works. we don 't value what we 're stewarding because somebody else values it. We value what, what we 've been put what has been put in our hand. Because of who put it there? Oh, Jesus gave me this. I'm gonna steward it with my whole heart because He gave me this. And so the you know, the way that we steward is in direct connection with how aware we are of the nature of God. Because the guy that had one talent, he hid it. And you remember what he said to the master? I knew you to be a hard, shrewd man. He knew God to be mean, like a guy up in the clouds just shouting rules at us. And so that the way that he stewarded was in direct connection with who he believed God to be. And, you know, Martha was being invited to have her knowing of the nature of Jesus interrupted. She was exasperated. And what she thought, Jesus was going to correct Mary. I mean, she's like confidently asking, this is obvious, don't you care? what she got to experience in the nature of Jesus was a god who wasn't living on the same plane that she was living and this is why who we're absorbing in this hour of history is so important because if we are as exasperated by the world around us because we are a sponge And our response to the world around us is to get up and start busying ourselves to make everybody feel better. We have no healing balm of peace to soothe the anxiety. And what Jesus was showing her was he spoke to her in a kind voice. She was up here in judgment and resentment and criticism. And he came in with this tenderness Martha, dear Martha, you're wrong, babe. <laughs> hug, hug. <laughs> it's this exasperation, it's actually your problem. And you can't, you can't uh, have an empowering culture without loving limits. Oh, baby, you're going to have to take care of that because this is the better thing that Mary has chosen. And let me respond to you with peace and kindness and love. And when the world around us is in an absolute panic attack and we think to love well, I have to match your panic. Have you ever had those moments like you share your heart and you're like, you're not worried at all. You don't even care. Like there's not even a smidge of worry on your face. You, you don't, you've never loved me. You've never loved me. <laughs> because in the world, I have to feel like you to love you. I have to think like you to love you. And we Jesus was like, I have have the answer for you. (laughs) I have healing balm for you. Come bring me all of your anxiety because I'm about to just dump buckets of peace on you. I'm about to dump buckets of hope on you. I have something to soothe your exasperation. Come here, babe, come here. And, And this is our mandate in becoming one with the nature of Jesus is we have to absorb His nature in our own exasperation so we have something different to offer a terrified world. I'm actually in the same room as you. I see your, re- I see your reality. Come, come closer to me. Come absorb my peace. Come absorb my joy. And this is, this is what happened in the, in the story of the talents is the master came back and everyone that had stewarded increase, the master said, come enter into the joy of your master. And if what you're stewarding on the earth is exhausting, heavy, anxious, if you just feel predominantly mean, It's just real hard to find those attributes in the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And it's just kindness. A lot of kindness is in the nature of Jesus. And he's full of grace and truth. That I can tell the truth without being triggered into anxiety because we're so different right now. We're so different right now. And he never moved the line of truth to show the world, I love you, I love you. And one of the signs that we're stewarding with a heart of worship and excellence is we're living in the joy of the Lord as our source of strength. And this this was the reward. They all got the same reward no matter how much they were stewarding and it was access to the joy of their King. It was access to the joy of the master. And if you add more assignments to your plate without being handed them by a smiling Jesus, you'll burn out. You'll be like, this is too much. Because why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord, the nature of Jesus is where we get our strength. And so there's, you know, in our lives, it is a very big deal being discipled by Jesus of learning to know the art of when to hang on. When do I hang on to the assignments that are currently in my lap? And when do I need to let go? And there are no external answers to that in your life right now because sometimes he calls us to hang on and it's because we need to learn the fire of longevity. We need to learn that we cannot get the the benefit of perseverance without making it to the end of the story. (laughs) And we learn to depend on the faithfulness of God when we, when we continue to hang on when he's still hanging on. And then we need to learn, am I working so hard to manage my attitude for an assignment? I'm not even supposed to be hanging on to like what a tragedy, what a tragedy if we're burning so much of our time and attention, trying to steward something Jesus never gave us. And when, when we allow ourselves to let go of those things, it becomes a fire because we realize, I didn't know my identity was attached to that. I didn't know my worth was connected to that thing I was doing. And it all comes back to discipleship. That there's this little, tiny, narrow way of following Jesus. And it is 100% about the motive and the movement of your heart. And so Jesus affirms that Mary had chosen the one thing that means most. And that one thing, you know, that phrase comes up a a few times biblically. And every time it's in the context of the presence being the main event. And David in Psalm 27, he said, there's one thing I'm desiring. There's one thing I'm aching for. And he was looking forward to our day when our life would be a literal habitation of the presence of Jesus. And are we living aware of the day we live in that the fathers in our faith that went before us, it It was their greatest dream. He said, there's one thing I'm dreaming about. If I could live in the house of God all the days of my life and just look at him. And we are living in the fulfillment of what David paid such an extraordinary price to move history forward towards that day. You live 24 hours a day, seven days a week In the literal presence of Jesus, are we distracted? Or does he have our attention? And I think it's a mix, it's a ball of mix for all of us. And um, you know, self-judgment and self-criticism can never be refining fires. The presence of Jesus is the refining fire. So when you find yourself anxious and exasperated, run to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. When you find yourself trying to give away your life, your emotions, your desires for somebody else to manage, run it to Jesus. So let's just all go ahead and stand up. Um, and Brett and Jacqueline, I felt like I had a word for you. Would you be okay if I gave you a word? Can you guys stand up during during worship? Um, I looked over at you, Brett, and, you know, my, my first conversation with you guys really was several weeks ago um, accepting you to the school, and we're so excited to get to serve you this year, and I, I remember thinking in those conversations, like, These are spiritual giants. And I felt the honor of your history with the Lord, your little yeses, your big yeses, and to get to serve and partner with you in what the Holy Spirit is doing. I I felt aware of that even in my phone call with you. And this morning I, I looked over at you, Brett, and I saw oil just pouring from your hands. And I could feel for both of you what it meant that you would come today and worship our King. I felt the wealth of what you were offering today. And um, I saw Jesus walk from the back of the room and he just came and he knelt down at your feet. And I saw the oil in your hands dripping onto his head and, and I knew that he had come to be anointed with your worship and I knew he had come to savor the offering that you were bringing and I could feel, um, Jacqueline, like the, the vial of worship that you were breaking over him today and your wild trust in him was something that in 10,000 years he would still be treasuring and when I was just thinking of this passage I was going to be reading I felt like Jesus wanted us just to just to reiterate what Lindy has said as a community I just felt like he said tell them the only thing bursting from my heart is well done Well done, good and faithful servants, well done. And I saw um, these next couple decades of your life, new assignments being handed in your lap. And I saw you stewarding them with the same tenderness and passion for Jesus that you have these last two decades. And I saw an increase of joy coming from the presence of Jesus. And when I saw the oil for both of you, I just instantly thought of Hebrews four. And it was Jesus has been anointed with the oil of joy above all of his companions. And I saw him returning his oil over your head. And I just felt the honor in the cloud of witnesses, cheering on your life, cheering on the assignments, the old assignments, the new assignments, the current assignments. And and I just felt this morning that we are the echo of those cloud of witnesses. Um, this morning. And I felt like prophetically, we just needed to honor them with our applause and that we could echo what is happening in heaven today of well done. The only thing that remains in this story is a well done. And all of heaven is cheering with grace this morning. Well deficits Jesus receives it as an offering and that for all of us we we recognize he's wildly biased and we have to let go of our own self-judgments and receive the truth of how he sees us and when he looks at you the story is well done well done okay I love you guys